Hi, and welcome to another episode of the MedTech Matters podcast, where we learn about someone impacting the medical device industry. I'm Sean Fenske, Editor-in-Chief of MPO and host of the podcast. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Greg Nicola, the Chief Medical Officer at New Tigers. Dr. Nicola, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Excited to talk about what we're doing. So let's do just that. Uh, can you tell me what is New Tigers? So New Tigers is a artificial intelligence application company that's a spinoff of Princeton University. The intellectual property, which are specific, um, very cutting-edge neural networks, which we'll get into, um, are only licensed to New Tigers, and all the innovations made by the Princeton Research Lab are licensed to New Tigers. The um, uniqueness of the specific neural networks I'm talking about is that they're so compact, they can work on edge devices. So they can be put on a watch or a telephone um, or uh, a sensor inside a foot, um, like a shoe. Um, So they're so tiny, they can be placed anywhere. And they don't need cloud access to make an inference. They're so tiny that they don't even need to access the cloud to make any decision tree that they're programmed to do. So what is that, what is that, uh, is, is that what is meant by when uh, I read a few things where it said that uh, New Tigers is shrinking AI? Is that kind of what that means? Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, we, we've made AI not in a cloud-based application, but instead a edge-based ap- application. Um, and you can imagine, well, maybe not a lot of industry needs edge-based AI. You know, what cloud is perfectly adequate. But there are some that have security concerns and latency concerns where decisions or inferences have to be made very rapidly or that the security is so vital that sending additional data over the cloud really doesn't make sense for that specific type of industry. And, of course, the one we've targeted is healthcare. And and let's let's get into that. Let's how how is this technology being used in the healthcare space? So um, where we 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 are beta tested a number of products and in research with a, a number of others. Um, what we've do, done is we've deployed these tiny neural networks into um, at home monitoring devices and wearable medical devices. And we're agnostic to the manufacturer of the specific hardware. We can integrate with just about anything, um, either on the device itself or just do a simple Bluetooth connection to a cell phone and an application on the cell phone. And by monitoring or putting neural networks on these devices, we can make inferences about the patient's health um, very rapidly. And if you don't mind, I'll give you an example of one of the research projects that we are pretty deep in inside France right now. Yeah, please do, because I think it would, it would help clarify so, exactly what you're talking about. Sure. So one of the disease states we're working with is sickle cell anemia. Sickle cell anemia is a genetic disorder where most of our blood cells in, in people without the disorder are round and they smoothly move through blood vessels. And sickle cell anemia, occasionally they have a crisis and their blood vessels go from rounded shape to sickle in shape. Those sickle mm-hmm. cell type blood cells block the arteries and they can get strokes and heart attacks and very bad chest pain. And it, it's a quite painful condition. The, the 
issue with sickle cell anemia is the patients usually know they're about to have a crisis by how they feel, and they can start some intervention at home, which includes just simply drinking a lot of water or, um, you know, inhaling more clear or more pure oxygen, relaxing mm -hmm. through some medications. But often by the time they have any sense of symptoms, it's too late, and they have to go to the hospital and be treated more rigorously in an inpatient expensive hospital setting. Well, with wearable medical devices and machine learning inferences, we're finding we can detect crisis earlier than the patient can, meaning that we can implement therapy earlier. And our hope, and we haven't gotten to this phase of the trial, our hope is that that earlier intervention will lead to less hospitalizations. And that exact paradigm can be used in many other disease states. So we like to call it, the medical terminology is acute exacerbation of chronic disease. That's our market. So representative examples are sickle cell anemia, congestive heart failure, where someone's heart isn't beating quite as well and they start getting swelling everywhere. That's a chronic condition that has acute um, worsening events. So in essence, we are creating an early warning system um, where our software, which is neural networks paired with these type of wearable devices, have created a whole new layer of information for patients and care providers to look at to start therapy earlier. So is, is the, the AI portion that New Tigers is providing, you're, you're, you said you're hardware agnostic, but you're yeah. basically dependent on the hardware to have the proper uh, uh, technology, such as a sensor or whatever it is, right. The, the hardware has to be in place in order to detect whatever it is they want to, that wants to be monitored or, uh, you know, kept track of. That, that's correct. Um, and in some cases, for example, we've, we've done research in COVID and sickle cell and, and mental health disorders and diabetes. Um, some, so in some cases, the sensors are very similar across those diseases. In others, we add other sensors that might not be built into one device. So an example is one of the smart watches we use has something called skin galvanization, which is how well your skin conducts, and it's a, a very good sign of stress. Um, it also has a thermal temperature of the skin. It has something called interbeat interval, which is the intervals between heartbeats. And that we didn't feel that was going to be quite enough for some of our experiments, um, and we wanted to learn what else we could add to that. And so we added something called a pulse oximeter, which is another little device you can wear on your finger, and it determines how well your blood's picking up oxygen. Um, mm -hmm. And we looked at blood pressures. Um, the uniqueness of neural networks is you don't necessarily need all those data inputs and all those sensors to make inferences. I'll reflect on our COVID-19 project, which early in the crisis we launched experiments in Italy where people wore our devices and then tried to see if we can build algorithms that could detect um, the symptomology of COVID. And we were pretty successful. We have peer-reviewed literature out. Um, we're undergoing um, emergency use authorization through the FDA. It's not a commercially available product in the United States yet because of the EUA application. Um, but what we found is that we can build maybe, maybe 15 to 20 different type of neural networks for one specific disease. And what I mean by that is let's say a patient only has access to blood pressure, pulse ox, and temperature. Well, we have a neural network built for that, 
it has less sensitivity and specificity than something that's a full-blown, you know, six-sensor device, but it certainly has accuracy better than just thermal checks for getting in a building. Um, so we can look at neural networks that are tailored to the specific inputs that that patient may have access to. So is this a technology that you're working with the hardware vendor or the hardware manufacturer on, or is this something where you're licensing the new Tiger's technology to the hardware vendor? How exactly does that aspect work? So we, we have different market strategy, and there are certainly vendors. For example, we have a kiosk company in the United States where we're partnering and launching our technology with them. We have one watch manufacturer in Europe where we have a partnership with. But other times we've done experiments with watches that we have purchased in the consumer market and used them in our research um, and then validated them across similar type watches by adjusting the sample frequency rate. The watches may have different frequency rate for similar types of sensors and adjusting that and then revalidating them in, in smaller experiments. So we, we have all those different types of models where we, we can, can just buy a watch and figure out a neural network that will work with it to actually partnering with a device manufacturer. And we're not, and we're not just, like sorry, we're not just isolated to smartwatches. We can use any at-home monitoring device depending on the disease state. We're um, currently looking at trials with EKG monitoring devices and blood pressure monitoring devices, a whole gamut of um, sensors that are available to us. And as you know, as a tech person, the, these medical sensors are exploding on the market. Some of them are, are still untested, but some of them are actually FDA-approved and have uh, quite a bit of validation behind them. Right. Yeah, yeah, you look at things like the, the Apple, you know, the, the iWatch and things like that where the sensors are embedded in and they're, getting, they're still getting approvals for different uses. So I see this yeah. as a as, – that's obviously limited to the Apple Watch, but yours has – uh, uh, what I imagine is similar technology, but used in any form factor. Correct. That's exactly right. And you can imagine you can't fit every single at-home monitoring device on a, on a watch because the skin contact may be not conducive to specific physiologic inputs it needs to take. Um, you may have to put devices elsewhere on the body. Uh, an example is that we've worked with a company that makes implants into soles that looks at different pressure on the foot, um, and we're looking at analytics to see can we predict potential um, ex uh, overuse injuries or exhaustion or even looking at Parkinson's disease. So there's a number of use cases that clearly wouldn't be a, a watch use case. They would be some other sensor. And we can combine right. all those sensors if we need to. And is, is this technology considered, you know, more of a monitoring technology? Is it considered a diagnostic, or is there a little bit of both in there? Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of both in there. And I will tell you how the company got started is the founder, who is um, a research scientist and professor at Princeton University, actually did experiments with a smartwatch in his neural networks, which he, he's the inventor of. Um, to look if he can actually diagnose disease, not monitor disease, but diagnose. And he, again, has peer-reviewed literature on being able to differentiate um, patients who are healthy versus patients who have type 1 diabetes versus patients who have type 2 diabetes. He was actually able to differentiate all three cohorts with a neural network. He actually then launched into mental health disorders 
And believe it or not, he was able to do this in mental health disorders. And this was several years back. And when the COVID crisis hit, um, New Tigers was very interested in seeing if we can actually make inferences on the likelihood of COVID. And, and we have been successful. Our data is showing in the 90% and greater sensitivity and specificity um, with fairly low false positive and false negative rates. And that's validated against um, not only nasal PCR, which is the gold standard, but also um, with a world-renowned infectious disease expert who, you know, there are some cases of COVID that are true cases, but the nasal PCR doesn't detect them well. We double validate them, not only with nasal PCR, but with infectious disease experts validating that they had the classic um, pattern of COVID. So, um, and we, we wow. found ourselves to be extremely sensitive and specific for that, that disorder as a diagnostic capability. Although we would use it more as a screening apparatus as opposed to a definitive diagnostic apparatus, mainly because that's probably where the market will um, allow it. Right, right. And you mentioned you mentioned diabetes. Is this something that could be, you know, ultimately used as a, you know, glucose monitoring type of application? Does it allow for uh, sensing at that level, or I guess it would depend on the hardware. If the hardware could sense the yeah. glucose, then it, it would be able to be used. So that's a pretty big device sector. We have not gone into that um, yet. Our our main focus has been exacerbation of disease. So we could detect somebody who, and we, I can't use that strong of language. We haven't done it yet. But I can imagine we can build a paradigm that detects somebody going into something called di diabetic ketoacidosis, which is a mm -hmm. very severe diabetic crisis. Um, we could warn somebody that they're going to go into that with the proper scientific method and developing a model. Um, it would take some time to develop that. But I'm, I'm confident now that we've, been in mental health, infectious disease, and physiologic diseases that probably a lot of diseases could be, um, they, there could be oral warning systems for all of them. But as far as monitoring exact glucose, of course, there's already, that's probably going to be, I'm not sure you necessarily need machine learning um, for that specific case, because you're probably only looking at one data point, which is blood glucose. Now, right. if you were going to try to put a bunch of physiologic signals together as surrogates for the blood glucose, Maybe, I just don't think it would be as accurate as doing something that targets just one data point, which is blood glucose, and, and I don't think machine learning would be necessary for that. And then, and, you know, one area that we haven't even discussed, and I would imagine there's a, a huge number of applications or opportunity, and that would be for sports and, and training and, you know, physical sure. fitness, like that whole area. I mean, are you are you – you know, you mentioned uh, working with a soul, but that was for, you know, Parkinson's and, you know, yeah. for, for, again, for disease. Are there definitely opportunities in the sports, you know, area? There are huge opportunities. We have definitely um, knocked on those doors, but decided as a startup that we needed to focus uh, on a specific market sector. Um, I mm -hmm. absolutely see that as a huge market sector at some point. Right now we're trying to tackle – um, diseases that are affecting people, but certainly monitoring in injury, monitoring recovery from injury, those are all plausible um, scenarios for neural networks and um, wearable sensors, not necessarily watches, but any wearable sensor that an athlete can put on their body. Um, we, we certainly would be interested in doing that, but we don't want to spread our thin off our main mission right now. Um, I will say that where we see our target market is in telehealth, and the reason is because 
clinicians now seeing patients over telehealth might not have that tactile sense of how the patient's doing because they're not seeing them in person in their office. And mm -hmm. we are theorizing that that physician over a, you know, over a video conference may be more likely to admit a patient because they're not as confident of how the patient's status is. But having at-home monitoring devices mixed with neural networks, helping that clinician with inferences is ripe to make telemedicine uh, maybe even the de facto way to provide care because of the ability, the convenience to the patient, but also the unbelievable amount of data you could get from those that pairing of, of at-home devices and, and, and platforms like this. So that's our heavy push is to um, partner with telehealth companies and deploying this technology to make uh, us all much cheaper and higher value um, providers to patients. Yeah, I have to say, as as someone who you know went through a pandemic physical, you know, had my my annual physical uh, through telehealth, um, you know, it was, it was it was almost like just having an opportunity to chat with the doctor about a few things. You know, there was no blood pressure reading, there was no weight and and height, there was no you know checking of of different you know uh, yeah. parameters or, or biometrics. Uh, that that aspect was missing, and I really felt like the physical was 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 lacking because of that. You know, yeah. um, you know, there wasn't the lab work done. There wasn't, you know, a lot of the hands-on wasn't there. And uh, you know, it was great to be able to see my doctor, but it seemed like such a large piece was missing that this type of monitoring, certainly combined with telehealth, would be a huge upgrade. Yeah, we, we agree. You take a subjective encounter and start making it more objective, and, and that is absolutely where we think our market strategy is. Right. Um, all right. Well, I, I know you've said you want to, you know, you want to remain focused on your on your, you know, your outlined uh, uh, areas of, of, you know, the, the the specific areas you already mentioned. But can you give us an idea of what might be on the radar after? that initial rollout? Yeah, so, that, you know, the one thing we are cognizant of is um, making diagnostic devices um, are, in essence, is screening for disease. It may not be the most efficient use of healthcare dollars. So most mm -hmm. of our focus will be at monitoring already diagnosed disease, even though we are fairly confident we can make a number of inferences for screening for disease. Um, but after that, we are looking at um, use cases for um, looking at early classification of Alzheimer's disease. We're looking at, um, certainly we're looking at use cases in the sports sector. We have had several conversations, and I'm not going to mention clients, but several big name clients in the United States who are interested in partnering with us to monitor athletes. That, that has been talked about in our ranks, and it's certainly a sector we may move into, um, but, but that would be after we launch these, these products that we have um, in the research pipeline right now. Right. Well, I mean, that's it's it's great. It certainly sounds like very interesting technology, and I'm glad you were able to take some time to to share uh, the insights with us. Uh, unfortunately, though, that is all the time we have for this episode of MedTech Matters. I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Greg Nicola, for uh, of New Tigers for sharing his insights and and the technology with us. And as always, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. So. Until next time, this has been Sean Fenske, Editor-in-Chief of MPO, saying thanks for listening.